This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart, and you're listening to the Market Insights Market Pulse podcast. Let's join our guests for today. It's Trader Nick in the United States and Oanda Senior Market Analyst in London, Craig Earlham. Good afternoon, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, Johnny. It's morning time where you are, Nick, and we'll talk to you in a second or two. But I first wanted to ask you, Craig, about these comments from the Bank of England Governor, Andrew Bailey. He's told MPs during a Treasury committee session that the threat of UK inflation is being underestimated. And he stressed that the Prime Minister declaring victory over his inflation target is not to do with policymakers. And obviously, they're taking a much harder stand on this. Yeah, I mean, we shouldn't be that surprised, to be honest. If anything, I've been more surprised by the more neutral type of commentary that we've had from Bailey, and in particular, for example, Hugh Pill over the last month or so. In reality, uh, you can see what impact that has, and that you can see why policymakers keep peddling this higher for longer, or in the Bank of England's case, sufficiently high for sufficiently long message, because as soon as they start to soften their tone, investors get carried away, and all of a sudden, we stop seeing rate hikes being priced in, we start seeing rate cuts being priced in. And we're already now seeing that. We can see, for example, despite today's comments, markets are pricing in a 6% chance of another rate hike in this cycle and a 55% chance of a rate cut by June. So you can understand why policymakers are pushing back. And if anything, Andrew Bailey is being quite cautious with his commentary. So yes, he's saying that higher for longer. He's uh, saying that the risks remain tilted to the upside, talking about the potential for energy price spikes, food price spikes again, even if they are now coming down. Uh, so he's very cautious. Services inflation is another one where he, he's re- he repeatedly stated that that is still an upside risk for prolonged, sustained, above-target inflation. Whereas some of his colleagues have been much more forceful. Catherine Mann was an example today. She actually claimed that she thought they may need another interest rate hike. And uh, that kind of goes against the message that we've had. Uh, And she is at the more hawkish end of the policy spectrum. But at the same time, it's something that markets aren't even considering and haven't changed their mind in the aftermath of that comment. And one other policymaker on the committee, Haskell, was also suggesting that uh, another rate hike shouldn't be off the table. So, I mean, you can see that there's this pushback and that comes following a comment uh, in recent days uh, from another policymaker, Megan Green. And again, talking about the fact that markets are effectively off the mark and that really the Bank of England needs to commit to higher for longer. And I think she even said that another rate hike is a possibility. So you can see that policymakers are quite dismayed with where the market's positioning compared with what they believe to be the case, or at least what they think want people to believe to be the case. We've got to remember that inflation fell considerably in October by more than 2%, but it's still at 4.6%. So it's still more than double its target. So they still feel that there's a long way to go. And that if markets start pricing that first rate cut too soon and start discounting the possibility of another rate hike, what that could ultimately mean is that rates have to stay higher for much longer because financial conditions will ease in the markets. And that's not what they want. They want to get the most bang for their buck so that when inflation is deemed to be getting close to target, then they can do that uh, policy reversal. But as we've said multiple times, it's probably going to come quite late in the day. And you can see that that message is coming through once more. One last thing to emphasize is policymakers have been repeatedly criticized for starting the tightening process too late and being too slow on the uptake. The last thing that they want is to make the same mistake on the way out. 
that therefore it's very much in their interest to keep this hawkish approach going until they are absolutely convinced that they have defeated inflation, that it's returning to its 2% target on a sustainable basis, at which point they can start to think about interest rate cuts. And at that point, I think it will come pretty quick. I think to add in terms of a comparison to the US, we've seen in the last uh, several months that there was this case to be made that when yields were on the rise pretty tremendously in the United States, it was in some ways, air quotes, doing the work of the Fed. Uh, it was assisting in their 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 goal of uh, you know tightening monetary conditions. And to your point, Craig, about if the, in the UK, if people get too optimistic too soon, um, those things can unwind themselves without permission, I guess, from the central bank. And the same thing applies in the US, which I think on today, of course, we're recording this pre-FOMC uh, um, uh, meeting minutes today. But uh, the same question, I guess, is in the air for uh, the Fed. Are they going to try and talk down all of the optimism that is flooded into the markets. I mean, if you take a look, for example, at the two-year yield, it's dropped pretty quickly. I mean, we are, we were just at you know up to five point two five percent. We're now back down to four point nine percent. That's a pretty quick drop. And you know, you can even go out further on the on the curve. I'm looking at the ten-year. We were up at five percent. We're now at four point four three. So there is this case to be made when you talk about central banks. They don't necessarily want the market to get ahead of themselves because of uh, the, the dangers of kind of undoing the progress that they've made. So I think that's definitely a, a way to kind of set up for the meeting minutes later today is to look for, I would expect um, some defensive language, but it's it's kind of a question of how much, right? Are they, you can almost detect, I think today, are they unhappy with the amount of optimism? I mean, the stock market has rallied tremendously, yields have fallen precipitously. I mean, you have a big market reaction without the Fed clearly stating, hey, you know, we're done. So there is that question of, are they going to speak defensively about this and try and kind of regain uh, a tighter grip on the situation before, as you mentioned, declaring victory too soon and making that mistake? Uh, so I think it's definitely an interesting setup uh, on both that side of the Atlantic and, and this side, right, for both central banks as they kind of weather the storm on inflation. Um, one thing I think that's really important to to consider when it comes to um, central banks and their progress is I think calling victory too soon, while I have been more on the optimistic side for for a possible soft landing, um, I think it's it's hard to really say definitively what central banks are thinking right now because they themselves have pivoted more into a um, a more reactionary and data dependent way of of approaching market conditions. I think there is that thing to be said where if markets get overly optimistic too soon, you got to be a little bit careful because at any point the Fed or the uh, the Bank of England uh, or the ECB, any of the following could uh, kind of tighten up on their conditions and, and you know, the market is at this point, uh, especially over here on the US, they're pricing out rate cuts, um, you know, middle of the year next year. And at any, any hiccup on that, on the data that that is coming through could kind of change that story pretty quick. So uh, it's an interesting time, I guess, in terms of markets. I still think that 
in terms of really sharp catalysts for the remainder of the year in terms of the US side of things, I think that there is a good runway here for um, for equities and for yields to kind of cool. Uh, but I think New Year brings kind of a whole new set of challenges as now it's the, the debate is on, I guess, for at what point do we rate cut? Um, and do we rate cut more specifically for the intention of... Um, is it a is it a kind of an emergency sort of rate cut like markets are you know economy, economies are slowing too much or is it just a cut because we can scenario and that's where I think the debate starts to really heat up going into 2024 and of course uh, we're going to get the Fed minutes later on uh, Nick and you've kindly told us that you're going to send us your opinion about those minutes ahead of the long Thanksgiving holiday which you're going to have over the next few days so thank you for that we look forward to receiving that. Ahead of all that, though, we've got some results from NVIDIA. What are markets expecting? Well, NVIDIA has earnings this evening. And, and the reason that we bring up a stock uh, so specifically uh, is because NVIDIA has been the darling of Wall Street this year. It's just been a massive stock uh, that that you know, portfolio managers could be chasing for performance. They could be chasing to have it in their in their in their portfolio right now um, to window dress. You know, I always kind of think about it as people who are invested with the the funds, and maybe they're running multi million dollar businesses or whatever, and they're on the golf course with their their portfolio manager, and they're going to ask, "Hey, do we have some of that Nvidia?" Right. So there is a little bit of potentially that going on right now with Nvidia, some of the other names, some of the tech names that have just erupted this year. And that brings me to why this stock is worth mentioning. Um, NVIDIA has kind of been the AI superstar this year, as of course they create chips and AI is going to be highly dependent on those chips or you know any of the other chip makers, but this one being the premium name. Um, I, I think that it's not necessarily, I think that the market is giving it a lot of attention with their earnings and, and whether or not it can propel the earnings uh, or the, um, the AI sort of train that has led the market. I mean, if you look at the cues, a lot of people, I, I've actually been kind of vocal about my, my thoughts on the Russell, where if you do get truly rate cut scenarios coming into the picture that the Russell should do really well. But to the credit of big tech, it's still leading the market, um, despite all of the uh, kind of optimism surrounding rates. And I think a large part of, part of that is the AI idea, as well as the um, the safeties that some of these, these mega tech names uh, do have uh, still are some questions about potential recession as we go into new year. Uh, so again, I think in relation to NVIDIA, why it matters, um, you don't really want to chink in the armor when it comes to this AI story. But at the same time, I'm not personally thinking it's ride or die on NVIDIA. There's a lot of other, you know, Microsoft has a lot of stuff going with the open AI stuff. There's quite a few names in the mix that that matter to the story, but of course, uh, still has the potential to kind of take away some of the sunshine or continue to propel the rally into the end of the year. So I think it's worth at least knowing it's coming. And finally, Craig, of course, we have the Chancellor of the Exchequer's autumn statement tomorrow. It's always like a bit of a mini budget here in the UK. And much has been said about what he's going to do, uh, whether there's going to be significant tax cuts. After this uh, comment today from the Bank of England governor, one wonders whether it would be wise to introduce uh, the tax cuts as deeply as the, has been suggested. What are you expecting Jeremy Hunt to do? I mean, there's the political side of things, of course, and then there's the economic 
Yeah, let's be honest. There's only one reason why they'd announced tax cuts in the autumn statement, and that's because they're preparing for an election next year. Otherwise, they would wait till a little bit further down the road. The budget, of course, in six months' time would be a much more opportune moment if it wasn't for the potential for an earlier election. The fact remains that inflation is at 4.6%. This is not the time for rate cuts. Also, at the same time, borrowing is extremely high. We did get borrowing figures today, and actually for October, the borrowing was much higher than anticipated, higher inflation, higher interest playing a role in that. But actually, borrowing for the year to date is much lower than forecast back when the ONS did their forecasts. So that means that in theory... The Chancellor has a little bit of additional fiscal headroom in order to announce these tax cuts. But again, this can be volatile as the year does go on. So I'm probably of the view that I don't think the Chancellor is going to announce anything drastic immediately. I think it's going to be a promise for tax cuts to come. So a promise for the next Parliament, say. So rather than saying we are going to cut taxes by x amount from now it'll be we're going to announce tax cuts by x amount from 2025 so if you re-elect us these tax cuts will come into play that's what you're voting for you're voting for tax cuts that were committed to rather than tax cuts that we've implemented now that gives the bank of england the time to get inflation down to target gives them a little bit of additional fiscal headroom and room to maneuver if the borrowing does go in the other direction and uh, it also gives them something going into the election as well and it appeases some of those on the back benches who have been calling for tax cuts because ultimately this is the highest uh, taxing economy that we've had for many decades. So I think a commitment to future tax cuts is probably more likely. I'd be quite surprised if he commits to too many now, especially given the lessons learned from the Liz Truss disaster budgets when markets went pretty wild on the basis of, granted that was unfunded tax cuts, but it was also unfunded tax cuts at the wrong time. So I think any immediate tax cut could be perceived at least partly in the same way. And I'm not sure that Rishi Sunak or Jeremy Hunt will want to risk that, but I'm may be proven wrong within 24 hours. Although any tax cuts wouldn't actually probably come into force until next April, which is when people would start to feel the benefit. For instance, if they took a penny off income tax, I know that's not something which has been trailed thus far, but uh, people won't feel the benefit until later on next year. And uh, I would imagine that the governing party would want people to feel that benefit going into an election, but we shall see. We'll obviously get Reaction to tomorrow's autumn budget from the Chancellor of the Exchequer from you, Craig, tomorrow afternoon. But of course, our very own Nick is on his way to his Thanksgiving break. So we wish you well. Have a great time away with the family, Nick, and we'll speak to you next week. Thanks, Johnny. And Craig, we'll speak to you tomorrow. Thank you. Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast. 